Hello, everyone, and welcome to our special 2023 Easter edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I hope that you had a blessed Lenten season and a fruitful Holy Week. Some of you may be listening to this program on Saturday, that, that is Holy Saturday, and maybe you're preparing for the Easter vigil or maybe you have your Easter dinner tonight. For me, Holy Saturday has always been a special day, a day of recollection and quiet a day of waiting. So no matter what you're up to today, I pray that you're able to take some time and sit with Jesus. And if you're listening to the show on Easter Sunday, then I hope that I can be a companion to you as you prepare for your Easter dinner or whatever you're doing today or whenever you're listening to this program. Today, as we do every year, we are joined by our contributors. First off, Jillian will tell us what she learned from her kids about Lent and Easter. And then Mark Matthews tells us what's transcendent in Hollywood. So that's all coming up uh, very shortly. In our second half hour, Sister Marie Paul Curley will be joining us to give us the windows to the soul uh, to some Easter-themed films. But these are not films that you're expecting, so you don't want to miss that. These are films that you can watch right now on your uh, streaming devices. And the second Sunday of Easter, so that's the Sunday after Easter, is Divine Mercy Sunday. It's been that since John Paul II established it in the year 2000 on the day of the canonization of St. Faustina Kowalska. In her diary, St. Faustina wrote numerous entries indicating that Jesus referred to the what he called the first Sunday of Easter, so the, Easter, the Sunday after Easter, that it would be the Feast of Mercy. Of course, the devotion of the Divine Mercy was promoted by Pope John Paul II, and it is now celebrated by the Universal Church and observed by most Catholics. Jesus told St. Faustina that he wanted to throw a lifeline to souls that are drowning in despair and sin. The lifeline is this feast, the Feast of Divine Mercy. Jesus wants the Feast of Divine Mercy to be a special day that is a refuge and shelter for the consolation of souls. But if you're like me, first, you don't think that you're in need of mercy. And if you do, perhaps you're not entirely sure what that means. Does it mean that God forgives us? Does it mean that he saves us? Now, many of you I know pray the Chaplet of Divine Mercy. Again, this prayer was given to St. Faustina, and she was told by Jesus to encourage souls to pray the chaplet. It is commonly prayed at the hour of mercy, 3 p.m., the time of Christ's death on the cross. And today, we're going to be reflecting on the meaning of God's divine mercy, and we're going to be joined by two singer-songwriters who are not strangers to you, Steve Angrisano and Sarah Hart. They've both been on this program many, many times. During the pandemic, Steve began praying the chaplet every day at 3 p.m. and eventually started doing it on Facebook, and he grew quite an audience. He then contacted his friend, Sarah Hart, to help him compose a musical setting for the chaplet. And so today, at the end of the program, we'll have a chance to speak with Steve Angrisano and Sarah Hart about their experiences with God's mercy, and we'll get to pray a little bit with their musical setting. So all of that coming up. And so, as we begin reflecting on God's mercy, let's begin with a song. Here's Sarah Hart's Have Mercy on Me from her album, Sacrament. Lord, have mercy on me. 
that was Sarah Hart with Have Mercy on Me from her album Sacrament. And we're going to be speaking with Sarah Hart and Steve Angrisano about God's mercy at the end of the program. So I hope that you can stick around for that. And now it's time for What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back to the program. Thank you yet again for having me. Yet um, again, I know. Last time we spoke, we were just starting out in Lent. And yes. at that time, you weren't sure yet what you were going to be giving up. And I, on the other hand, was giving up anything and everything slightly related to fun. So as we conclude now, I'm just wondering, how did your Lent go? What did you end up giving up? And how did that propel you toward the celebration of the risen Lord? So um, I ended up, because we talked about the the tension between giving something up and, and right. taking something on. So yep. I've taken, I, I've, I've, I've walked my Lenten journey by the hand of Mary. Oh, lovely. I love her. Which was interesting. Um, although I, I do, I do, um, Mary is, is kind of makes sense to walk with her. I mean, at any time, but, uh, but certainly during Lent. So you're feeling good as we enter in. Um, you're putting me on the spot. I'm <laughs> there's there's so much going on yeah. in my life in, in good ways and in challenging ways mm-hmm. that to say that I'm feeling good. Yes, I'm feeling good in that I've it's been a season for learning to trust and right. learning to surrender and that's why Mary comes in handy. Okay. Uh, but it's still, you know, it's still some some <laughs> some things are still challenging. Still very lenty in some ways. Still very lenty in some ways. But good in that um, you you have the hand of Mary to walk you through those things. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Good. On this end, on our side of things in the Cantor household, I spoke with the authorities, that is my children, to find out about how their Lent went. Because before I could come on here and talk about what I learned from my kids, I was like, well, I really don't know. We've kept it kind of quiet. We've kept it kind of private this year. Like We, we do the family, we give up dessert. And then some of the kids choose mm-hmm. extra things, like they give up snacks or they give up shows after school and might only have games on the weekend. So it was at the supper conversation, I just said, brought it to the kids, like, how's Lent? Like, how's it going? How's Lent for everyone? So here are their comments, their feedback in no particular order. We have number one, Lent is hard. So that was agreed upon by many and all. <laughs> this is This is hard. Why is this so hard? Number two, when you give up something, it's more of a treat and a privilege when you get that back. I think the example here was very specifically Sour Patch Kids. Henry had given up extra candies, but um, on those Sundays when we can have a little little tiny Easter celebration, he had been given something, I think, as a prize, a reward for his teacher. And so he had saved that for Sunday. And those Sour Patch Kids were particularly delicious on that Sunday nice. just because he hadn't had them in so long. Um, someone else contributed that you can't give up living. Um, that's my tendency. Not that we're, <laughs> like I said, we yes. tend to give up anything that's remotely related to fun. But during the season of Lent, we celebrate two birthdays and we also had um, Henry's con- um, excuse me, confirmation. Yeah. Um, and so those are natural moments to celebrate. And it's interesting watching my kids re-enter that. Like they, they're slow about it, but slow in their approach. 
um, not sure, maybe feeling a bit guilty, but then with some reassurance from us, like, no, it's okay. Like it's, it, it's Lent, but the special vision and it's like our family feast day and we can celebrate that. And so watching them enter into that and being able to appreciate it and enjoy it that much more, it's um, lovely to see that in some way that it's made a difference that's had an impact on them, that they're able to treasure those gifts of whatever it is, those privileges might be, they're able to treasure that in a bigger way. Mm-hmm. Um, we also heard um, from Annie, you might think you can give something up, but then you have to modify it. And her, um, one of her Lenten sacrifices was no snacks. She wasn't going to have any snacks after school. But the day is long. She is a hungry growing girl. And she was just really struggling with that. And she may get a little grumpy when she's hungry. So we had to do some alterations and we decided maybe it's best if you give up snacky foods and you just have fruit like that's going to be your after snack is fruit only so we're able to adjust good like pivot a little bit and then yeah such mature canter kids and then from leo our final bit of feedback will lent be forever (laughs) (laughs) just seemed endless these four so no we had to reassure him that lead does not last forever um and that loss of something in that case dessert it those that that sacrifice leaves you feeling a bit hollow and hurt but that it's not permanent mm-hmm. um maybe in this instance it's not so eternally significant it's like giving up your candy or dessert or your show like ultimately you might feel like what difference does that make but and um it is a practice you give it up you need to stay disciplined to stick with it and it's a relief when you come to the end of it, when that fasting period is over and you don't have to be quite so diligent to be mindful and you can just just mm-hmm. relax a little bit. So rest assured Lent does not last forever. But it's a fun, an interesting thought. Like maybe all of this doesn't even make much sense to the four-year-old. Like when you ask them, like, what is the purpose of Lent? Not that I would be able to ask that of a four-year-old, but you ask anyone, mm-hmm. <laughs> what is the purpose of Lent? And that it's to grow closer to God. Okay, well, how are we going to do that? Not eat candy. What? How do those things? How do those two things compute? Yeah. And so it's up to us, obviously, to try to make sure they understand that link. Like we don't eat that snack. There's no snack. We practice self control. There's no TV. Instead, we're helping out in the kitchen. We're serving. Um, we say those extra decades as a family. It means that we're seeking. We're seeking something more in prayer. So it's making that connection um, so that there is they can see that no candy does in fact help them grow closer uh, to the Lord. So we enter into all of this, we enter into Lent lacking with intention and determination, and we should come out of it with the same, with that same intention and determination to keep it going past these 40 days, whatever it was, that practice that we we were engaging in. Um, but we should also come out of it as a bit of a more person, like we're more considerate, we're more compassionate, more giving, more helpful, more ordered, more focused, more disciplined, whatever that is. Like Lent should be shaping us in some way, even though it seems like this isn't very significant. My not eating dessert. How is that changing anything? In fact, it is. Um, so, so yes, Lent is hard. Lent feels like it lasts forever, but there are re- there's a reason and a purpose to this. And now we enter into Easter, um, Easter season, feeling relieved a bit, <laughs> yeah. maybe more appreciative. Um, 
and savoring not only the return of Sour Patch Kids, but also that joy and goodness of a risen Lord who loves us, he delights in us, and he wants to treat us. And sometimes he even treats us in Lent. So, so here we are, end of Lent. Let's go. Let's go with the same intention. Um, I loved, what, I don't know if you even did it on purpose, but so the traditional idea that we fast, almsgiving, and prayer, you said self-control, serving, and seeking, and they're all S words. <laughs> I'm going to start using that. I love that, especially Don't for children. It's all it about, it's yeah, fasting teaches us self-control, almsgiving teaches us serving, and prayer teaches, teaches us seeking. Um, and guess what? Sour Patch Kids also starts with S. <laughs> also starts with an S. So, oh, so it's an S, an S Lent, <laughs> and an S Easter. Um, thank you, Jillian, and your children for their wisdom uh, <laughs> this season. And uh, hopefully, our Lent, our Easter, can be a season of Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> yep, sure. Or seeking, maybe. Seeking. We, we can figure continue it out seeking. We continue serving, and we continue self control. Thank you so much. Happy Easter. Thank you. Happy preliminary Easter. We'll really get going later today. Later today. Um, Jillian Cantor. She's the wife of David, the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and Leo. Coming up is a conversation with Sarah Hart and Steve Angrisano about divine mercy. So don't go anywhere. Hi, I'm Steve Angrisano, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with my friend Deacon Pedro. You're listening to a special Easter edition of the Salt to Light Hour. The best place to stream or download this program is at our website, eselmedia.org slash podcast. And now it's time for What's Good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Hello, Mark. Pedro. You will notice I am your sick Hollywood undercover missionary. Because okay, last we spoke, you were going on a ski trip, and this is that's true. That's true. Just too much wild partying, you know. That's what it comes down to. So okay, I I don't know. I think I might prefer this gravelly radio radio <laughs> voice. Of that's yours. right, Don Lafontaine in a world. Actually, oh no, wow. Not, okay, so yeah. our our sick Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Um, you want to talk about transcendent? Uh, that's like a yeah. word that I don't even know what it means. It basically means that something beyond. So the question that we have to ask ourselves, that every person asks, is: Are our lives and actions completely meaningless? Um, you know, like Shakespeare said, "Life's but a walking shadow, told by an idiot full of sound and fury, signifying nothing." Or uh -huh. are our actions transcendent and meaningful? What if taking out the trash is affecting millions of lives on a distant planet? What if hmm. suffering a cold properly <laughs> is helping those, those beings? And it kind of cuts to the core of our faith. You know, Christ talks about the reward basically being an eternal life in an age to come, you know, something uh -huh. that has not yet been, been revealed. And my connection to Hollywood is I like how often this idea comes up in film. 
And yeah. I can think of a few good examples. Um, you know, you've got a movie like, you know, The Matrix, which I've talked about before. You know, it has the, re the real world versus the Matrix world, the simulation. Mm -hmm. You know, Stranger Things, it's the real world versus the upside down. Or, yeah. you know, even going way back in time, um, the never-ending story, you know, the real world versus, quote-unquote, the story world kind of a thing. Right. And a film that kind of does this again, which was a big Oscar winner this year, was Everything Everywhere All yeah, at of Once. Course. Yeah, and, and the kind of the big takeaway from it, which I think is kind of a very Catholic idea, is that doing the laundry and taxes have incredible consequences. Mm. That, that that is sort of the meaning of life and existence. And, but they do it in such kind of this beautiful way. It's almost like a Marvel movie with action fighting and alternate universes and stuff like that. But kind of illustrates just how important those little actions in our everyday life are and that they have these huge effects and consequences mm. say in a spiritual realm so that is essentially what transcendence is so it's just you know and this is an idea that is reflected and comes up many times in spiritual writing one of my favorites jean de Cousade, who wrote abandonment to divine providence you know, one of his major themes is that every little moment, what we are called to right in front of us counts towards something immensely important in God's eyes and God's plans. So if you're sweeping the floor, mm -hmm. sweep the floor as best you can, because that that has huge significance in God's plan. Yeah. And so, so, you know, given that it's a season of Easter, you know, I say, well, if, hey, if us sweeping the floor has huge significance. Imagine what Christ's passion did, his quote unquote, mm. ordinary passion. Mm. And I say ordinary with all due respect to our Lord's passion. Yeah. Yeah. Ordinary because, you know, he didn't have an army supporting him. He didn't shoot laser beams out of his eyes or mm. he couldn't fold space and escape to alternate realities. He experienced it as just a regular man. So think of think of what that could be reflecting in the eternal reality. And, and of course, this is, you know, the core of our faith is yes, he won salvation for us. So, so I love seeing everything through the eyes of a movie or some, you know, superhero fantasy or something like that. But, but I, I hope, yeah, there, what we do, every little action demeans something hugely consequential in God's plan. Absolutely. I, I like that very much. And I like the, uh, comparison, not that Christ's passion was ordinary, but that if our ordinary moments have great significance, then imagine how much more significance that incredibly amazing moment had. Um, of course, I'm thinking, yes, of, Saint exactly. thinking of St. Therese uh, as well with her, you know, ordinary ordinary things just mm -hmm. do them with great yes. love mother teresa said that as well anyway yep. mark um i'm gonna um uh thank you for 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 coming thank you on for even suffering my horrible voice if you suffering. can suffer that well then y yes the good. the ordinariness of having a cold and uh um i hope that you feel better than what you sound <laughs> i'm and, gonna milk it for all it's worth oh i'm dying and i hope that you have a blessed and healthier easter season it's only uphill from here. <laughs> What's good about Hollywood? What's transcendent in Hollywood? With Mark Matthews, our sick Hollywood undercover missionary, you can follow him at HUMissionary. Here now is Steve Angrisano with his newest single, Have Mercy, Son of David. Have mercy, Son of David, by mercy. Set us free 
listening to Steve Angrisano with his newest single, Have Mercy, Son of David. On our 2023 Easter edition of the Salt and Light Hour, I'm Deacon Pedro. Coming up in our second half hour is Sister Marie Paul Curley with The Windows to the Soul to an unexpected group of Easter-themed films. And we speak about Divine Mercy with Sarah Hart and Steve Angrisano. Listening to our Salt and Light Hour Easter special. I'm Deacon Pedro, and coming up is uh, my conversation with Sarah Hart and Steve Angrisano. So stay tuned. Now it's time for Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister, welcome. It's so good to be here, Deacon Pedro. And yes, I hope you had a blessed Holy Week. Very blessed, and uh, I'm blessed Easter to everybody and to you too. 
I should I should be asking you I should be asking you do you want do any movie watching during Holy Week but maybe you don't <laughs> you know I usually don't occasionally I do if I program if something like to, Jesus yes. well if I have to or if I Jesus program something Nazareth. like Jesus yeah. in Nazareth for like parts yeah. of Good Friday yeah. or um, we often yeah. make retreat on Good Friday so that's yes. that can be a yes. special time um, but no not this year um, no, not this year, this, but you've been doing some movie watching. I have actually, and we had talked about doing Pinocchio as our Easter we have. film. Yes. And so I, I did not know this, but there are dozens of Pinocchio yeah, films. I can imagine. However, I only watched three and I thought maybe we could unpack them a little bit together because they are really appropriate for an Easter weekend. Uh, okay. the, the three that I watched were, of course, the 1940 Disney original animated film, Pinocchio, I also really was curious, so I watched the 2022 Disney remake with Tom Hanks and yeah. lots of other people, but Tom Hanks plays mm -hmm. Geppetto, so it's, he kind of stands out there. And then I really wanted to see the other 2022 Pinocchio by Guillermo del Toro, mm -hmm. and, um, which, is, which was a fascinating watch. So I picked these because Easter is about Jesus' passion, death, and resurrection. And I thought Pinocchio has all these death and resurrection themes. And actually, these movies do have that the death and resurrection scenes in them. I mean, we've even got the biblical scenes of being swallowed by a whale and coming yeah. back out of the whale. However, I actually found them. That was not usually the most compelling parts of the movies of all mm. three movies. Really, all three films felt, especially the Disney films, actually, really are more of morality tales um and yeah. i suspect that's because they're all based on you know the original italian story which is which it was released basically as a series in 1881 and then as a book in 1883 and then mm. you know disney took the public domain it became public domain in 1940 and disney went ahead and made their first the animated version. Uh, I would say Disney's 1940 version really sets the stage for all three movies. Um, mm -hmm. And it's about, Disney makes it about being brave, unselfish, and truthful. Uh, I'm not sure the live action version pulls it off as well. But mm -hmm. I felt that these the three films were really great conversion story films. So I'm going to, um, they're all good family, good family films, uh, with the exception that Guillermo del Toro's film is really for older children. It's really not for yeah. young kids. No. Um, I think that all of them have scenes that could be very scary for young children. So just mm -hmm. keep that in mind. Um, so one of the reasons, you know, if you would ask me, Deacon Pedro, which one would you say is the best? I'd have mm -hmm. to say I don't have a best choice. I maybe have a most artistic choice, but not okay. a best because morality tales are really not my thing. Um, really? <laughs> I need to go into that. The nun doesn't like morality tales. What I was is just going to say, I hope immorality tales are not your thing either. <laughs> they are not. That is true. <laughs> um, but I think it's too easy for children to absorb the wrong message in morality tales, right? Uh, okay. So for example, in both Disney films, the blue fairy says to Pinocchio, if you are brave, truthful, and unselfish, you'll become a real boy. So I guess it would depend on what meaning a child gives to becoming a real boy or becoming real, right? Mm -hmm. If it means being good or being precious or being lovable, I think yeah. that's a problematic thing. Um, mm -hmm. 
being loved for who we are is something all of us need, not just children, but we all need mm -hmm. it. And mm -hmm. I think that being unconditionally loved is really the foundation for becoming loving and unselfish and kind and truthful. I don't think that we do that uh, first yeah. and then we become lovable. No, God loves us as we are. Yeah. And ideally our families do too. And then we fulfill our potential that God has created us, that God has given us uh, and become loving and unselfish and truthful and brave and, and self-giving. Right. Um, now we do need motivation and little kids. I mean, you know this way better than me as a parent. <laughs> I mean, I've never taught a classroom for more than a class for more than 20 minutes, you know, at yeah. a time. I've never had to deal with disciplining lots of kids all the time, uh, 24 seven. Um, so we know as children and as adults, we need two motivations, right? We need consequences, mm -hmm. whether you, yeah. you know, so that's important and that those are very much present in these films, which is good, but mm -hmm. underlying, we all need that sense that we're loved. So that's my challenge with morality tales and why maybe I wouldn't choose to watch Pinocchio all the mm -hmm. time. I will say this, all three films are watchable formative and entertaining to varying degrees. So I think all three of them are good choices. The 1940 version, um, maybe many of you are familiar with that. It's been classified as one of the best Disney films ever. I found it a bit uneven. I'm not sure I really loved it all that much. Mm. Uh, the Pleasure Island sequence that's really talking about human trafficking and the terrifying scenes of the boys being turned into donkeys. That's really scary mm -hmm. stuff for kids. Um, however, what I really liked about this film is that Pinocchio really does learn. He starts off being pretty selfish and he enjoys himself on Pleasure Island. And it is gradually his discovery of Geppetto's love for him and his love for Geppetto that transforms him. So okay. That's a very Christian moment in this film, yep. very profound. The live action version for Disney, I found it slow moving. Oh, yeah. Um, Tom Hanks is a very convincing Geppetto, but it felt like Tom Hanks was playing Geppetto. You know, <laughs> I don't know how to explain that. Mm. Um, it was engaging. Uh, I would say that for the most part, Pinocchio's transformation is perhaps the least in mm -hmm. this version of the story um he always seems to choose the wrong things for the right reasons mm -hmm. he's duped very easily but that's nobody's fault mm -hmm. he's a puppet with one day's worth of experience when yes. we start off the film um he starts off good and remains good so the conflict is mostly on the outside mm -hmm. and it really feels as a morality tale it's not a great conversion story mm -hmm. um I do like the fact that Geppetto accepts him for who he is mm -hmm. from the very beginning and affirms that. So that that works. Um, yes. And finally, we come to the 2022 Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, yes. which I think is best for older children and mm -hmm. adults. Mm -hmm. I found it really fresh. It's still familiar. It still mm -hmm. works within mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. Disney setting for the most part, although it's set historically in pre-World War II or early yep. World War II Italy, um, so a more realistic and historical setting, a lot more complex themes, direct references to Catholicism, yeah. um, some beautiful imagery of the crucifix and of Jesus, um, and a lot of depth in the relationship between Geppetto and Pinocchio um, and between other characters that Pinocchio meets up with. 
uh, it felt like they pulled more original material from the Italian story, uh, which they did. Mm -hmm. I also really liked the theme of Pinocchio as an outsider, uh, feeling he was an outsider. I mean, at one point he yeah. even says um, in a very striking moment, he's in the church and nobody's appreciating the fact that he's disrupting what's yes. going on at church. And he points to the the wooden crucifix and says, why does everybody love him? But they don't love me. We're both made of wood. Yes. Which, which I thought was a delightful mm -hmm. little reference to Catholicism. So that even though Pinocchio doesn't get Jesus, he does do, he does uh, choose to stand up for and to stand with mm -hmm. the outsider characters in the film. Yeah, he um, does. And he, he does that through his own, um, mm -hmm. because of his own suffering. Yeah. Uh, but I, this was, I thought this was a really interesting film. What did you like Yeah, I watched it? that one as well. And I did too. I like the fact that he's, the, the conversion, as you said, is very, very uh, clear because he's a brat right from the beginning but as you said he 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 helps the conversion of so many other characters who are also outsiders at the carnival or at the or the or the uh, anyway there are other characters i'm not going to give give away too much but but sure. but so so not only does he have a personal conversion but he actually helps in the conversion of others that i that i liked it definitely leaves you with actually all three stories leave you something to think about yeah. all three films too i would say the disappointing thing about Guillermo del toro's pinocchio is that becoming the real boy is quite ambiguous uh they do it yeah. does look at the afterlife but in a very strange way mm -hmm. um in a film that talks about catholicism and shows it we've, we've also got not just the magic of pinocchio becoming you know alive but we've got a wood sprite and we've got afterlife what yeah. happens yeah, repeatedly you yeah. know so there's a lot of strange elements woven in there um fantastical elements yeah but it's it is a very interesting film mm -hmm. so pinocchio a good conversion story to watch um, and then choose according to the interest of your family mm -hmm. if you are going to watch it as a family um, okay. and age appropriateness. All right. Good. Thank you. So good conversion story, but not necessarily a good resurrection story. Although <laughs> I guess good... resurrections are conversions. Yeah. All right. Okay. I answered my own question. <laughs> Very good, Deacon Pedro. Really solid pedagogy. All right. There. Good. Solid. <laughs> Pinocchio, pick pick one of those three or one of the 12 that exist or read the original book. I think that's what I'm going to do, sister. I'm going to go find the original from 1881 and uh, <laughs> and read it and see. Read it see. in Italian. Oh, I don't know if I could do that, but I'll see what, what it tells me because I'm sure that there are. It probably was intended as a morality tale when it was written. I suspect so, yeah. yes. All right. Well, sister, thank you so much. Happy Easter. And a blessed Easter to all of everybody who's listening. Sister Marie Paul Curley, she's with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windowsthesoul.wordpress.com and also follow her on Twitter at Sister M. Paul. Hi, this is Sarah Hart, and you are listening to the Salt and Light Hour with the very awesome Deacon Pedro. At the beginning of the program, I gave you a little bit of information about Divine Mercy and Divine Mercy Sunday. In short, it is a feast that was established by Pope John Paul II, celebrated on the Sunday following Easter Sunday, the octave of Easter, as expressed in the wishes of Jesus revealed to St. Faustina Kowalska. It is now common for people to pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet at 3 p.m., the time of Jesus' death, 
and traditionally this devotion is done on the first Friday of the month, but we can pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet whenever. Surely you're familiar with the words, Eternal Father, I offer you the body and the blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world. The prayer is done using rosary beads, and that prayer is said on the large beads, followed by the short prayer ten times, for the sake of his sorrowful passion, have mercy on us and on the whole world. This can be prayed whenever, and singer-songwriter Stephen Grisano started praying it daily online during the pandemic. He then contacted his good friend Sarah Hart to help him compose a musical setting for the chaplet. This musical setting is now available through Oregon Catholic Press. And so to tell us more and to speak about Divine Mercy, I'm now joined by Sarah Hart and Steve Angrisano. Welcome, you guys. It's good to see you. Thank you. It's good to see you, too. Um, It's always a little weird because some people might be listening to this program on Holy Saturday, but I think that in our hearts, in our minds, we're already um, on that Easter vibe. So um, how are you guys doing? How was your Lent? Steve. Oh gosh, it was so uh beautiful. I think probably the you know what my wife used to say when you'd ask her what did you what did you give up for Lent? She said my husband. So <laughs> it is definitely the busiest time of year. The, the yeah. good news about being empty nesters now for the just about a year uh, is that she came with me for most of Lenten missions pretty much every week and she came with me. So it was a very fruitful, beautiful part of our relationship that she could share in all that because she supported it for many years, but she got to experience that. And so I would say that made this a particularly special. Nice. Good. And she will never do it again. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think she let me leave. I think she's going to do it again. (laughs) Yeah, that's great. And Sarah, how was yours? Because it's busy for you. I mean, it's busy for all of you guys. Oh, my gosh. Same. Yes. I mean, pretty much hit the ground running. It's funny because I uh, I texted Steve at one point and I was like, this is the longest Lent ever. And he said, Sarah, it's the day after Ash Wednesday. Like I <laughs> I had I, I was operating under the delusion that Lent had been since January 1st because I hit the ground yeah. running the day after New Year's and didn't stop until I just got home yesterday. And yeah. Um, yeah. so that's this is the first time I'll, I've been home for basically four months. And so, you know, I'm with Steve, you give up a lot. We give up ourselves for Lent, for sure. Yeah, no, and I find that very interesting that Lent is the busiest time for you guys, not Advent, not Christmas. And, And that, you know, like, like I love to do Easter missions, but nobody wants you to come in and do an Easter mission. Like you think that, wouldn't that be like awesome? Yes. yes, but all the people that work at the church are exhausted. They're like, <laughs> I need some time off after Easter. Oh my gosh, just leave me alone for two weeks. You know, yeah, I get exactly. that so much. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, and I'm going to this year. I'm 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 literally going to the Holy Land during Easter, which I think is a Easter season, which is a great experience. But uh, you yeah. know, I like to tell people Easter is 50 days. You know, Lent is 40 days, but Easter is 50 days. We're exactly. an Easter people. So maybe we should be doing Easter missions instead of Lenten missions. I don't know. Easter missions. Um, Sarah, in the busyness of what you do, how do you stay rooted? Because this is a difficult question. In prayer, tell, tell us a little bit about how you handle that challenge. Well, I will say, I think, I think that everybody is living a life of chaos. I mean, every human being on the planet is living their own chaos. And for years, I don't know why, maybe it's just chalk it up to Catholic guilt, but I, 
let myself feel so guilty that like I didn't go to adoration all the time, or I wasn't Mm -hmm. like sitting down in my room for an hour praying with a candle. And there came a moment when um, I just, I, I, and it's been recently, it's been really recently um, that I realized, you know, truly all of life is prayer. Every moment is prayer. And if I'm driving in my car and I can talk to God for three minutes, or if I'm in the shower and I can say, Lord, have mercy on me. Like all of life is living in a state of prayer and grace. And And I just, I think I was making too much of the fact that I wasn't getting like that serious alone time with God But to be true. All of it is prayer and grace. And so that's really helped me, I think, recently, especially in my life to just understand this is the life I have. It is nothing but chaos. I'm never going to be that girl who gets to go to adoration for an hour every day. And that has to be okay. So how do I fit God into my life? And, And I'm really resting in that these days. It's a good question. And I'm glad you asked it. Yeah, um, Steve, and, and I obviously we want to talk about divine mercy. Um, is the divine mercy prayer has it become for you this kind of routine, not in a bad way, routine, but kind of no, rooted that roots you yes. every day? You know, I'm I have a master's in theology from Saint Meinrad, which is a Benedictine institution, and while the education was so meaningful. I think the rhythm of the life of the monks is what impressed me upon me the most, you know, and uh, what Thomas Aquinas would have called a habitus, which, you know, we, we, we use that to, to translate to the word habit, which is a very unfortunate thing. We think of chewing your fingernails or something, you know, but yeah, bad habit. Yeah. a steady disposition. That's what he would have said, yeah. you know, creating a steady disposition of letting God be a part of your life and, we did that, you know, I started praying, I prayed the chaplet before, of course, but when the pandemic happened and I began praying it online each day, not knowing what each day would hold and and with nowhere to go, as Sarah is well aware of that feeling, like everything's canceled, don't know what to do, where to go. And Jenny and I just said, well, let's pray every day. And it became truly an anchor. And it, I think it taught me something that it doesn't take very, very long to it's not about the minutes. It's about mm-hmm. the steady disposition of I'm going to stop in the midst of my day and let God be a part of my day. And if I get through a decade, if I get through a whole chaplet or a rosary, you know, then I just ask God into my day. And when you do that, you begin to see differently, you know, and I would say uh, one of the things that really moved me in leading the chaplet online is how many families were praying it together and how often now I, I I do pray the chaplet every Monday now, not every day, but yeah. it, even, even if there's less people online, although there's still hundreds online praying, uh, there's all these people who come wherever I am at the parish mission and they bring their children. Like my kids, we, we woke up every day and we prayed the chaplet, you know, but yeah. I, I thought, oh, praise God. You know, I do think as, as parents, one of the best things we can do, we don't all feel equipped to teach our children things, which is unfortunate. I think we're more equipped than we think, but we're all able to stop and pray with our kids and let God enter into yeah. our relationships. And And uh, I meet a lot of parents who feel intimidated about teaching the faith or things like that. And I, first of all, I think we need to become more knowledgeable. But second of all, isn't it powerful when we just let God be a part of our day and our relationship? Uh, so much happens, you know, so much happens. Right. And uh, I think that's a, 
an important thing that a family can pray this together. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Don't don't worry about teaching them the faith. It, just teach them to pray. Um, Sarah, I, how do you, okay, so here's my struggle because I do prefer the Divine Mercy Chaplet than the Rosary. I really struggle with the Rosary. Um, and it's not because the Chaplet is, is shorter. Um, but this idea that I need God's mercy is also difficult to, 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 gr to grasp for me. Um, what do you think, Sarah? I will say this, that, you know, just being a woman, I know that nobody's harder on themselves than I am, mm. you know, um, mm -hmm. and I, maybe it's true of, of men too, but I know that we are very, very hard on ourselves. And the harder we are on ourselves, the more difficult it is to embrace mercy as a concept in general, because we don't have mercy on ourselves, you know? Yeah. So we have to get to a point, I think, in our spirituality where we recognize that as God has mercy for us, so we extend mercy to others, but perhaps the most impactful thing is learning to extend mercy to ourselves. And um, I, I just think that's been a help for me in my life to try to see myself the way God sees me, try to forgive myself the way God forgives me. And and I will say that extending mercy to, to others is near impossible if we haven't already extended it to ourselves from God directly. So it's, a, it's an important concept to get a hold of. Um, yeah. But I think, too, just giving yourself a lot of grace in the moments of the day. And I think especially mm -hmm. of young moms. I just did this beautiful workshop for young mothers who are artists. And, man, they're all struggling. You know, they're just struggling because they don't have time. They don't have creativity. They feel just mentally blocked and exhausted all the time. And it it all begins with just having mercy on yourself and your journey and grace in your journey. It's okay if you get one moment a day to say, Jesus, I trust in you. Help me. Um, have mercy on me, Lord. You know, like it's it's yeah, okay. I like I, I like that, and I'm curious to know what Steve thinks. But but I, it sounds like you're saying that we just need to be like gentle with ourselves. That that asking for God's mercy is asking Him to be to be gentle yeah. with me, Lord. Do you think? I think that's the beginning of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and you know, I think we sometimes think that asking for mercy is the same thing as asking for forgiveness and that mm -hmm. we're constantly just saying, God, forgive me, God, forgive me. You know, one of my favorite lines in the whole chaplet comes in the prayer that comes at the end. I'm just going to say one line from it because it's very telling. It says, increase your mercy in us that in difficult moments, we might not despair nor become despondent Yeah, with great confidence, submit ourselves to your will. So really, when we're asking for mercy, very, you know, really what Sarah said in many ways, what we're asking for is for God's presence, for we're asking to lean on him more than we lean on our own understanding. And, you know, the word repent, which you just hear a million times during mm -hmm. Lent as it just went by, you know, doesn't mean to be sorry. It means to have a change of heart, to, to, mm -hmm. to walk a different way, to choose differently. And what we really pray for, I think, in the chaplet is to be formed more into who God calls us to be. And, and yes, I do like it because it's shorter than the rosary. That is one reason, just just for the record, yeah. um, because it, it allows me to pray with others and not feel like they, my children don't feel like I'm co-opting their day. But also in that short time, it's a simple prayer that's that allows Jesus to enter into your day and to transform your day. You know, that's what I, I just love that about. It. Right. And I love I mean, it's certainly easier to do with music. The music helps with the repetition. It becomes um, a deeper prayer in a, in, I guess, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a sense. So thank you for, for doing that. Maybe one last, uh, comment for our listeners that maybe are struggling with it or not sure how to pray or, or struggle with the repetitiveness of it. What would you tell them, Sarah? 
Well, just what I've been saying all along, give yourself some grace. Yeah. Um, you know, no, uh, no city is built overnight and no faith journey is ever complete in the same way. So our faith journey is baby steps and let yourself um, walk in the baby steps, embrace the baby steps and um, be grateful for every moment and just go easy on yourself. You know, the Lord loves mm -hmm. you in any, any time any moment that you can make in your day to come to God, God listens, God hears, God abides. And so any moment that you can find to do that, let that, let that be enough. Let that be enough. It's enough for the Lord. Let it, let it be enough and rest in his presence. Yeah. Steve. Well, I do love what you said about singing it in some ways brings life. You know, I'm a musician. Music says things that words alone do not. And there's a reason we sing the Gloria, because glory to God in the highest is not the same thing as glory to God in the highest. And the same thing, you know, to sing for the sake of his sorrowful passion, uh, for the sake of his sorrowful passion. And, and, you know, hopefully we've arranged it so that it moves and that movement moves your heart as well. And so uh, I'm excited for people to hear it and pray it, not to pray it anyway, but but to pray it sung, I think, has a special quality to it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think for me, sometimes I just need to listen to it. Maybe I'm distracted. I'm not really praying along, but I'm listening to it. And that becomes prayer as well. Uh, Steve, Sarah, thank you so much for uh, sharing a little bit of your day with us today. And uh, happy Easter. Thank happy you. Happy Easter. Easter to you. And we'll uh, play a little bit. We can't play the whole thing, but we'll we'll get to pray a little bit of the Divine Mercy Chaplet with Stephen Sarah. You can learn more about Sarah Hart and purchase her music at her website, sarahhart.com. That's heart, H-A-R-T, sarahhart.com. You can learn about Steve Angrisano at his website, steveangrisano.com. They are the composers of the Divine Mercy Chaplet, published by Oregon Catholic Press. And so in the time that we have left, let's now pray with Sarah Hart's and Steve Angrisano's Divine Mercy Chaplet. Eternal Father, I offer you the body and blood, soul and divinity of your dearly beloved Son, our Lord Jesus. Christ in atonement for our sins and those of the whole world for the sake of his sorrowful passion have mercy on us and on the whole world for the sake of his sorrowful passion have mercy on us and on the whole world for the sake of his sorrowful passion. We're listening to Sarah Hart and Steve Angrisano's Divine Mercy, mercy Chaplet, and I hate to talk over it, so I'll be quick. Our website, eslmedia.org. You can go there to listen to our show, watch our TV programs, learn all about us, and also support what we do. Thank you to Jillian Cantor, Sister Marie Paul Curley, and Mark Matthews for joining me today. And also, thank you to Sarah Hart and Steve Angrisano. I pray that you have a blessed Easter season filled with God's mercy. I'm Deacon Pedro, and thank you for being with us on this special Easter edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Have mercy on us and on the whole world For the sake of his sorrowful passion 
Oh, no. 